Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Tony. Yeah, yeah, you in tune to the Street News Network, where we bring it to you with absolutely positively no chaser, because that's how we do what we do, okay? This is February, Black History Month, but it's not because they care about you. It's for some other reason. Oh, and today is Valentine's Day. Maybe not when you hear this, but it is. Let's go. This is that month where you're supposed to love the people you love the most. This is this is that time. It's time for that. Do you love them? Huh? How much do you love them? Do you really, 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 really love them? I mean, because that's what it comes down to. How much do you truly love the people that you're supposed to love on a day like today? Hmm? How much can you say you love them? And let me, here's a, here's a big question. Why is it one day out of the year, February the 14th, is the one day that you want to truly express and show your love for someone? Shouldn't Valentine's Day be every day? Every day? I mean, let's be honest. Come a little closer. If you truly love the person you claim to love today on Valentine's Day, didn't you love them yesterday? God's willing and the creek don't rise. Won't you love them again tomorrow? And shouldn't your love for them grow stronger every day? Not just stay stagnant every day? Shouldn't your quest to love this person grow daily? As in, I want to love you more today than I did yesterday. Less than I will tomorrow. Every day? It should, shouldn't it? Shouldn't your love for that person be sacrificial? Shouldn't that love for that person be unquenchable? Shouldn't that love for that person be the kind of love that you want someone to love you with? Shouldn't it be? I believe it should. You should wake up every morning with, I love you, dear. You should go to bed at night with, I love you. Can't wait to love you more tomorrow. Should. Why doesn't it? Why do we allow foolish things to get in the way of the love we have for people? Why do we let the things that we say and do stand in the way? How about this one? Why do we let the things that people say and do stop us from loving them more? Hmm? Because, you know what, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what I say to you, it doesn't matter what I, well, it does matter what I do to you, but if I'm not saying anything to you that is negative, but it does disagree with what you think or how you feel, should you love me less? Am I loving you less by sharing that with you? For example... If I really don't like your lasagna, does that mean I don't like you? It doesn't. If I really don't like 
spending every day with you, does that mean I love you less? It doesn't. You see, they say absence make the heart grow fonder. Shouldn't it? If I'm with you constantly, how do I get an opportunity to miss you? How do I get an opportunity to love wanting to be with you the next time I see you? If I'm looking at you all day long. We can't go it when I blink. I can't wait to open my eyes to see you again because <laughs> blinking happens in the flash of a moment. But I also shouldn't take everything you say personal. I should not look to be offended by the things you say and do. I, if I'm going to be offended, I want it to be a definite offense. I want to know you intended to offend me. You intended to harm me. See, it's not the same that you say some crazy stuff that I take everything personal. It's not the same as if you put a knife to my throat with some venomous speech about how you'll do something to me. I wake up in the middle of the night and you got or a lighter close to my face threatening to burn me while holding a gas can in the other hand. Now, those actions I could take as you were intending to do some harm or you're entertaining the idea of doing some harm. Yep, actions, as they say, speak louder than words. So you could be saying, you know, I really, really love you. In fact, I love you to death. If you got a lighter in one hand and a gas can in the other hand, I really don't think you're talking about your death. I think you're talking about mine. So, yep, those actions do speak louder than words. And while you may love me, you would better off love me dead than alive. But if I truly love you, barring any foolishness such as that, shouldn't I love you every day? And do I need a reminder in the media. I don't. That's called commercialism. That's called taking advantage of my love. It's using that opportunity to sell me something so that I can make somebody richer just thinking that I'm going to make somebody happier by giving her flowers or you know, giving him flowers if that's what you're into buying him a tie or shirt or whatever it is that whatever you're buying for that loved one it's making someone else happier or richer and they're getting happier because they're getting richer but you see when you buy something it's it's, if it's a flower it's gonna die okay does your love die when the flower dies kind of wonder about that what about if you buy something else another piece of clothing or something what if that gets worn out and torn does that mean now your love is worn out and torn oh I'm sorry it's not the gift it's the thought so if that's the case how about we don't buy the gift how about we share the thought how about that 
If it's the thought that counts and not the gift, let's stop buying gifts, folks, and let's express our thoughts. Let's say to the person, hey, I love you. I love you. I love nobody like I love you. I love you. I love you. Hey, I love you. Hey, I love you more. Hey, I love you today. Guess what? I love you 400 times more today than I did yesterday, but I'm a thousand times less than I'll love you tomorrow. You ever tried that? Tell you what, I give you permission to use that one, okay? But, but it comes with strings. You can only use that if you truly mean that. And if you don't mean it to that level, put it at your level. I love you twice as much today as I did yesterday, but only half as much as I'll love you tomorrow. See, that's the easy one for those of you who don't like numbers. You don't want to really quantify yours. So use that one half as much as I love you tomorrow. But be ready because they may say, well, how much do you love me today? You got to be ready for that one. And more than yesterday, it's not going to be enough because they're going to say, well, how much did you love me yesterday? Well, more than the day before. And you see how that can keep going? You know? So I'm just telling you, increase your love daily. But express it. Give that person the thought that counts. Don't buy something. And for those of you who like getting gifts, learn to not get them. Learn to be happy with the thoughts that count. Okay? Accept the thoughts that count. The true emotion and the feelings that a person puts into, hey, I love you. I really, really love you today. I love you more than you can imagine today. But I don't love you nowhere near as much today as I'm going to tomorrow. You gotta learn to put that out there. That's what matters the absolute most. Okay? Share that thought. Don't waste your money buying a gift. Use that money for something else. Spend your money on things that are really, really, really important that will last, that you'll get a lot of use out of. Share your words. Tell them how much you love them. Oh, yeah. Don't wait until July. To, see, I'm changing the date already. Don't wait until February 14th. Do it daily. If you're just now listening to this podcast and it's way past February 14th, now is the first day for you to start expressing your love exponentially to the people you love. Tell your kids you love them. It's heartfelt day. If you haven't said it to someone in a long time, if at all, do it today. Today. Call them up. Say I love you. And if you can, write them and say, hey, I just wanted to give you a little note and let you know I love you. Don't buy a card. See, because we're trying to get away from the purchasing. Stop letting people dictate when and how much of your money you spend. Okay? Don't let somebody tell you, it's Valentine's Day, you need to buy a gift. It's Christmas, you need to buy a gift. It's somebody's birthday, you need to buy a gift. No. It's the thought that count. So give them some thoughts to count. Oh, she told me she loved me on my birthday. She told me that she loved me today. It ain't even Valentine's Day. She told me she loved me for Christmas. She gave me a Christmas love. Do 
show it. Don't say it with a gift. Say it with the gift of love. With a, don't do it with a purchase gift. A love offering is offering love. It's not offering money. It's offering love. Now, if you feel like you want to just throw in some fringe benefit and put some money in there, yes. But the money or the gift that you buy is not the love you share. You really want to put something to it? Put your heart in it. Tell them you love them and then show them. Prove it. Because somebody could come back after you say, hey, I love you and go prove it. Then what you going to do? Prove it. Love is either expressed in words or actions. And if you're good at it, you can express it in both words and actions. You can say I love you and then prove that you love them. Let's give it a shot. What you got to lose? Hmm? What, what do you have to lose? Communication, ladies and gentlemen, is the key to survival. We got to talk to each other. We got to share with each other how we feel about things. Let's stop misleading one another. Let's instead work together to be together. Let's don't mislead. Don't leave somebody thinking that you feel a certain way about them when you really don't. Good or bad, express it. Let it know, but don't let it out in a hateful way. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, that we do different so that we can expect different. But if we keep doing the same thing and expecting different, guess what? You're going to get the same thing instead of getting different. Let's do different now. Let's do different. Because we can. So, speaking of doing different, we're going to change the conversation. In the United States, there are one state after the other is going after getting rid of uh, a part of history. They call it critical race theory. They're eliminating anything in history that circles around slavery, that circles around the disadvantage of one race towards another. As if that's going to make that go away. It's not. It's not. Because everything starts somewhere. And I'm going to tell you where it starts. It starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. Makes its way in the home. Hatred starts in the heart. I hate you for whatever reason. Justified or not. And I share that hatred with other people that I have for you. And those people that are in my innermost circle who believe like I believe will hate you for the same reason that I hate you, even though they've never had an experience of any kind with you. They're trusting the other person. They're trusting the person who hates you. And they think that that's justification. I hate him because he did so-and-so. We have... And I can only speak for the black community or speak what I see in the black community and what I hear in the black community. We all hate police officers for the most part, generally speaking, because of the crime against black people. One of the things we never did is we never said defund the police. We constantly call for police reform. We never said defund. Never. 
that was some political crap that was put out by Republicans who wanted you to believe that black people were trying to change the police system and say that the police are all racist. We've never said the police are all racist. We just say get rid of the few that are. We say strengthen the police department through reformation training that will instill in them the value of being peace officers. Okay? Get rid of the bad stuff that's in you, that's that's around you. Get rid of bad officers. It's not possible for a police department to have good police officers who don't know about some questionable co-workers. It's not possible. But you're protected by the blue shield. You won't step out against another police officer even though you know that they're wrong. Let's look at some cases, for example. This most recent case, Tyree Nichols. Why are there now almost 20 people, sheriffs and police officers, why are they being fired? Why are they been having charges filed against them? It wasn't that many people that were on the scene inflicting the punishment, the brutal punishment that led to the death of Tyree. But as... The investigation goes, more and more people are involved, either because they were quiet, knew about it, but kept it quiet, were part of it, supported it. It's going to come out. So at least 20 people, at least 20 people have been fired and will face charges of various degrees. Of course, the five officers that were on deck doing it, oh, every one of them deserved to go to prison. Every one of them. They need to see some prison love. Okay? Other 15? Why were you a part of it? So, out of all of the police officers, out of all of the staff that work for the city and the county, for the police department and the sheriff department, Out of those 20 people, are you going to tell me there were no good people? There was nobody in the group that could say, hey, man, don't, uh uh-uh, no, no, you're not going to do this to this dude. You're not going to do this. I'm not going to let that go through. Nobody? None of those 20? It took somebody else to do it? It shouldn't. But that's 20 people that need to be out of the system who don't deserve to be police officers or be affiliated with the police department or the sheriff's department. Derek Chauvin. Gentlemen who were helping him hold down the man he killed, who helped hold down George Floyd's legs, sat on his butt while Chauvin kneeled on his neck None of them could say, hey, Derek, get up. Derek, Derek, you're too far up on the dude. Get up. Derek, he's subdued. None of them could do that. Why? Were you scared of Derek Chauvin? You had the same pull that he had. You had the same gun that he had. When a, when a police officer suddenly goes from being someone who serves and protects to someone who offends and murders, He's a criminal. 
And if you as a police officer don't do something to stop him, you're aiding and abetting. Here's something that you need to understand. In an active shooter situation, I teach a class in, in active shooter response. And one of the things I share with my students is this. If you are forced to defend the room that you're in because you're trying to hide from the person who's going through the building shooting people, terrorizing, killing, hurting people. If you are forced to defend a room with some other people in the room, you all gotta make a decision. And that decision is we're gonna defend this room, plain and simple, put together a strategy. But the one thing that you do have to bear in mind is this, you cannot turn an attacker into a victim, which means if this person manages to get into the room that you're in and you're able to subdue this person, disarm this person and hold them for the police, you cannot turn the gun on this person that they were shooting other people with and now shoot him or her. You cannot turn them into a victim. You can turn them into a prisoner while you detain them for the police but you cannot turn them into a victim, okay? Because then you become the attacker. You become the attacker instead of the innocent. So as a police officer, your job is, serve, is to serve and protect the general populace or a designated group of people in which you are hired to go in and serve and protect and to prevent them from being harmed by somebody else. If the person that you are arresting is now subdued and on the ground, hands behind their back while you're constantly shouting, stop resisting, and it's clear that they're not resisting, you are transitioning from being a protector to being an attacker. And the people that are around you have got to learn and understand my job is to arrest the criminal. If your partner becomes the criminal, it is your responsibility to arrest that criminal. Disarm that criminal. But the police don't do that. That, ladies and gentlemen, is police reform. Changing the mind, their thinking about who the criminal is at any given point. If the police officer who is supposed to be protecting people has now become the attacker, if you are now brutalizing an, uh, uh, a person who was the attacker and has now made them a victim, you then change places with them. You become the criminal instead of the criminal. The criminal becomes the victim, the person who needs protection. Stop, ladies and gentlemen. Members of the police force, stop. Because if your partner pulled over your son or your daughter, your mother, your father, and held them at gunpoint, and you just happened to roll upon the scene because you're responding, but not enough information was given to you to say that, that this was your mom or your dad or your family member, but you happened to roll upon the scene because you're responding to help a fellow officer at a time like, you know, that they've called in, whatever it is, 
but you get there and you discover that the person they got down on the ground that they're yelling at is your relative, what would you do? You would then immediately say, hey, 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 that's enough. That's enough, Frank. That's enough, Susie. Do the same thing for everybody else. Do the same thing for everybody else because that's why you're getting paid to protect the general populace. Protect the people that maybe don't like you. Keep them safe. Pull your partner off of someone before they become a victim. Don't let your partners become an attacker. Their job is always to be a defender. Don't let them turn into the, an attacker. But it's amazing what we're doing in society. And so we have, people of color have not been calling for defunding the police. It's amazing that after the insurrection in January, not this past January, but the January, couple of Januaries before, it's, it's amazing that after the insurrection and people were arrested and people were called out for it, that suddenly the Republicans now want to call for defunding and they have said it out loud. So I'm not putting words into their mouth like they did about with black people about defunding the police because black folks never said that. We always said reform the police, but it didn't sound tragic enough to them. So they decided to switch the narrative, but they have come out loud and said defund the FBI. Well, if you defund the FBI, which is the Federal Bureau of Investigation, who will your state turn to when there is a capital crime? Hmm? Your state can't do federal crime. It can only do state crimes. So if the FBI is out of the picture, who's going to do it? Because not only have they gone after the FBI, but they want to go after all of the federal law enforcement agencies simply because they didn't like the way the previous administrator was treated. And he has put out all the dog whistles for you guys to respond to. Stop. 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 Stop listening to that guy. He was a pathological liar then. He's still a pathological liar. When is it going to ever be in politics that we're as politicians concerned about the people in this country and how we serve them more than it's important for us to grab power? You can see in the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., that the representatives are more concerned with how to punish the Democrats for previous things. Instead of being a bigger, better parlor a party, they are petty. Jim Jordan has issued subpoenas against people of which he did not honor any subpoenas that was issued toward him. So why would you expect other people to honor your, your subpoenas? But they're only interested in hurting people. They're not interested in helping to knock out the study of American history, which includes so many great things that have happened. Because you don't want people to hear about the tragedies. It's a disservice to the country. 
America was not all bed of roses. We had some bad situations. We did some bad, terrible things. Let's own up to them. Slavery was terrible. However it came about, it was terrible. But it is a part of American history and you're not going to be able to erase it. Case in point, you want to look up the history of peanut butter? Came from an inventor by the name of George Washington Carver, which, by the way, he also invented cold cream that your wives use to get makeup off of their face. But George Washington Carver started out as a slave. You want to talk about how cotton got milled and how cotton became the T-shirts that you wear? It's because of a dude named Eli Whitley who invented the cotton gin, which made things better for southern farmers who had slaves picking cotton. You see how we're tied to slavery? A great thing, the cotton gin, a great thing, the peanut butter, all linked to slavery. There it is, folks. There it is. And I'm telling you, it's all about us communicating with one another, sharing with one another the things that are important to all of us. Let's stop hurting each other. Let's start helping each other. Let's be Americans that help Americans. This is The Street News. My name is Tony Yeah. Catch you next time.